from God through uh, Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Specifically, we'll be looking at the names that are given to the baby born in Bethlehem. As Brittany so, uh, uh, did so well, uh, sharing, she shared what we've been doing all Advent, which is studying the different characters that are found in the Gospel of Matthew that participate in the Christmas story. And so today we'll be looking at Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Hear God's word for you this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I uh, have been noticing a new trend developing among young parents with babies, and that is that they are taking longer to name their children. I get this thing. I get this trend. A name is no small thing, and you kind of want to get it right, and you got to get it right at the beginning because you can't change it in a few years. And names have meaning, too. Uh, each of my children have, um, all my four children have names that are meaningful to us. Abigail means uh, her father's joy. Uh, Cherith is the place where uh, uh, God fed Elijah with the water from the stream and food from ravens. Joseph is part of the passage we just read, so faithful and true. And Peter means rock. Of course, my children don't have an obligation to live into the meaning of their name, but in a way, names do capture something of the hope that parents have for their children. Two names are given to Mary's son in our passage today, a first name and a nickname, and both are profoundly meaningful. They give us a little window into the identity, mission, and significance of the father's son. You are to give him the name Jesus, the angel said to Joseph, and he will be called Emmanuel. Jesus. Jesus is a Greek name, and since the New Testament was written in Greek, that's what we call him. But Joseph and Mary didn't speak Greek. They spoke Aramaic. And the Aramaic equivalent of Jesus is Yeshua, Yeshua, which in the Hebrew means Joshua. And it means the Lord is salvation, or God is a helper, a saver. 
Obviously, this name has a long history in the Jewish community. It was Joshua who fought the battle of Jericho. But Yeshua was more than just a name. It was also a phrase that mothers would cry as they labored to give birth to their children. Yeshua, God help. And it was the prayer whispered by unemployed fathers as they wondered how to provide food for their families. Yeshua, Yeshua, the Lord is salvation. God help. God help is the most basic of prayers, if you think about it. We all have experiences of being overwhelmed and in need of saving. Yeshua, Jesus, the Lord is salvation. Jesus is God's answer to humanity's cries for deliverance. So Jesus' name tells us that he will grow up to be a savior, but who will he save and what will he save them from? Well, the angel fills us in. Call him Jesus, the angel says, because he will save his people from their sins. His people, their sins. We find right here at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel a continuation of what we've learned about God from the Old Testament, and that is that God is a people person. His goal is not simply the rescue of individuals, although individuals will make up the people that Jesus came to save. God's goal is the formation of a new community. When the Old Testament Israel walked through the Red Sea, they walked through as a people. They were saved as a people to be the people of God. And Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, is going to save a people, the church community, which makes up the people of God. To belong to Jesus in salvation is to belong to the people that God is forming in Christ. And the primary saving that his people need is saving from their sin. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Yeshua, Jesus, will fight the battle against sin. Now, this saving from our sins business is fairly basic Christian uh, teaching. But why sin? I mean, of all the things that we need to be saved from, If you were to ask average Canadians about the problems we face, how many of them would name sin as chief among our problems? Of course, it is a problem. We know uh, that we are not all that we could be. But what about climate change? Or what about inflation? Or what about the growth of organized crime or the mental health crisis? What about the influence of China? Or what about Putin? The major problems we face, I mean, there's some major problems in here, but the biggest problems we face, they seem out there. Jesus' disciples would have said the same thing. Yes, of course, sin is a problem that needs to be named and repented of, but from their perspective, they had a Rome problem, and they needed a political savior, not a sin problem. Most of us locate the problems of the world outside of ourselves. Something needs to change, and it's not me. We need to be saved, but not me. But God, like a good doctor, sees through the symptoms down to the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is the human heart. British writer G.K. Chesterton was once asked to write a short essay for a major U.K. newspaper 
They asked him to answer the question, what's wrong with the world? And his answer was this, and I think it's great. Dear sirs, I am sincerely G.K. Chesterton. What's wrong with the world? I am. If all the world was like me, there'd be less murder and more people would be riding their bikes, which I think is a good thing. But there'd be other problems that we'd need saving from. For I lie, and I grab, and I pollute. And if given more power, I'm probably just going to do those things on a larger scale. Nearly all the problems we face in this world flow downstream from sin. The problem is not primarily out there. The root of the problem is here. Jesus will eventually be a political and environmental savior when he returns, but first he comes to save us from ourselves. And what we need is forgiveness. What we need is a clean heart and a right spirit within us. And so we need a Savior with gentle hands who is strong enough and loving enough to relieve us of our sins, to make us, to heal us and make us whole from the inside out, which is exactly what Jesus did when he took up the cross. So Jesus is the name that God gives to his son, but Jesus will also have a nickname, a name that people will call him. And that nickname is Emmanuel, which means God with us. What Matthew means by quoting Isaiah 7 is not immediately clear. Minimally, he's telling us that Jesus will be known as God's appointed agent. The presence of God will be so thick upon him that the people will say of him, Emmanuel, surely God is with us. So Matthew could mean that. But Matthew could also mean what the church came to understand and confess about Jesus later on, that Jesus is not only carrying the presence of God, but that he is, in essence, the presence of God in our midst. That as Mary labored, the Godhead crowned. Emmanuel, God with us. Sin is humanity's first and primal problem. It's the root problem. But we also have this distance problem. You see, we were made for fellowship with God. We were made to be fully alive in his presence, but sin has created this gap, this distance between us and our creator. And the result of that separation is a restlessness of soul and a slow deterioration of the body. St. Augustine described the human condition as such, and I quote this all the time, so you've probably heard it before. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. This is the truth of the human condition. We feel unwhole. We feel cut off. We feel like orphans. And we search high and low throughout the world for something that can fill us up Forgive us that sense of connection and reunion, but nothing seems to satisfy. Most religions have diagnosed this problems, and most, most religion agree that reunion with God is the answer. And so what you find in most religions is a path to help you reconnect. Do this meditation technique. Pray this prayer. Take this pilgrimage. 
And Christianity offers a path as well. But the main difference between Christianity and the other religions is that this path is not walked by us, but is walked by God. It's God who takes the pilgrimage. It's God who comes to us. And you know, this makes sense because what, what do you do when you love someone? Many things. But one of the things you try to do is you try to enter their world, get into their skin. You try to bridge the gap by eliminating the obstacles that stand between you, uh, between you being with them. So you'll tell your kids, I'll pay for your ticket. Just come home. Or better yet, I'm coming to you because I want to bridge the gap. I want to be where you are. What we see in the birth of Jesus is God turning his face towards the world in love, making it possible for the reunification of his holy divinity with our sinful humanity. And this is what it's all about. This is the climax of the Bible's story. The main tension, the main problem is in the text is the separation of Adam and Eve from God. They're not allowed to go back into the garden. They are barred from the Lord's presence. And the main good news, the, the best verse, I think, in the entire uh, Bible is found in Revelation 21 at the end of the story where we hear this declaration. We read Revelation 21. And I heard a loud ver voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. No more distance and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. The start of this reunification of heaven and earth is made possible right here by Emmanuel, God with us. He will be called Emmanuel. And we get a foretaste of that great day of reunification even now, through the Holy Spirit, who lives in us. Jesus is here. His presence, the presence he promised us, is at work in us now. And that means that God is not just with us in the future. It means he's not just with us at that time way back in Bethlehem, but he's here with us now, wherever two or three gather in his name. And I think this is a mighty comfort. You know, it's the difference between sort of being way out here and just coming down close. God with us in our worship. God with us as we mourn. God beside us as we battle temptation. God underneath us when we fail. God behind us as we embark on a new career. God alongside of us as we struggle to walk on our own. God with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God with us when the mess in our life is so bad and we can do nothing but weep for what we have become. God with us when no one else is. Yeshua, Jesus, he will be called Emmanuel. Thanks be to God for the gift of his son. Let's pray. Lord God, 
Thank you for bridging the gap and in love turning towards us, not coming with judgment, but coming with grace. Lord, you've come for the sick, the poor in spirit, to lift us up, to revive us, and to free us in Christ. Lord, I pray that the truth of this would so resound in our hearts and minds today, and that we'd live with this deep-rooted assurance. And Lord, if there are people today who are wondering about you and this grand story that we celebrate at Christmas, I pray that you would um, shine through the cracks and places in their lives to make this story come alive to them. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your salvation, for this clean heart and right spirit within us. Help us to live out of this place, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.